0: Welcome to the 104th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, we will talk about this past week's NBA and college basketball action. Let's jump right in as we have our last podcast of our first year of podcasting, Patrick. Let's take a look at the NBA from last week. Who were your most impressive teams from the NBA last week?
1: Well, let's start with the Cavaliers at number one. They went 4-0 this week. They beat Minnesota, Sacramento, Miami, and Houston. Look, I'm just impressed with Cav- with the Cavaliers because this is easily the best they've been in a non-LeBron year in probably the last two decades, pretty easily, honestly. Um, th- this team is just playing at a very high level. They are lucky enough to have dodged the COVID bug a lot more than some of the other Eastern Conference teams have. They're not really missing anybody. I mean, they're obviously the Nets are in a unique situation with Kyrie, although... Some news on that that we'll talk about a little bit. Um, But in terms of the rest of the league, you know, the Bulls have been missing so many players. They probably shouldn't have played two or three of the games that they did. But those games weren't postponed. Then they got games postponed uh, now. But the Cavs have just played really, really well. Surprising for a long, long time. And uh, it's time that I give them some credit for that stretch. So uh, here's my credit to them. I mean, the schedule was not too hard there are a bunch of teams kind of in the middle of the pack in the west and then you know houston's not great but uh miami even though they've been injured a lot has found a lot of ways to stay in games and win a few games they're holding a good position in the east and that's an important win for the Cavs team that uh maybe maybe later in the year that'll seem a little more important now it seems like you know it's just a it's just a mark of them playing well in the moment but you never know when it makes a difference down the line um moving on to the number two team I will go with the Brooklyn Nets. 4-0 this week. They beat Atlanta, Detroit, Toronto in overtime, and then Philadelphia. Kevin Durant just carried this team this entire week. I'm really annoyed that I gave him player of the week last week because I don't like to repeat them.
0: Player of two weeks last week.
1: Yeah, I gave him player of the last two weeks. Yeah, and I mean, I could have given it to a few other guys, um, but I chose not to because I was thinking, you know what? Kevin Durant's been really good for these two weeks he might get better he might not maybe when steph breaks the three point record i can give him some uh some special mention for that if he goes off in the week 2 but not to be i mean i'm spoiling it a little bit but i mean not to be not not to be uh n- not to not to dr- uh, go off on his greatness but steph was not shooting high percentages all week he was shooting 14 or 15 threes pretty much every game of the week to get to five makes um in all of them and you know that that's not going to be good enough to get my prestigious player of the week achievement um but Kevin Durant I mean he's been insane I'll I'll get into his individual stats later but he's just carrying this team there's no Kyrie there hasn't been James Harden for all these games this week um although he has been there and he he hasn't really been himself but he's been good enough to still be an all-star level player and he's still better he's still a better second in command than most teams in the league have obviously um even when he's not playing his best and just the threat of him is enough too but the rest of this roster has also been depleted by COVID and, and injuries, really. Uh, Joe Harris hasn't been playing for a really long time, so it's really hard to, to say anything bad about the Nets. And, I mean, Kevin Durant's the one carrying them through it, and Blake Griffin is doing a lot to step up uh, in in the absence of uh, those other guys, too, and so is Patty Mills, so they all deserve credit for it. And probably the biggest news of the week, um, Kyrie will start playing again this week, only on road games, though, for now. He's still not allowed to play In New York until he gets vaccinated, Uh, but he will be playing road games with the Nets, and he is allowed to practice at the team practice facility. I'm a little surprised that the regulations allow him to play at the practice facility, but not play in the games. It's a little weird to me. But look, I'm not I'm not a New York health law expert, so I don't really know what's going on there.
0: Fewer people
1: there. I would assume that's probably what it is. It's probably something to do with the gathering rules. Yeah, exactly. But. I don't know. I'm not going to get into the semantics of it, but you know that that's the way it is. And I mean, you know, the Nets cited that the reason why is because Kevin Durant. I mean, well, didn't say specifically him, but their stars have been playing too much, too many minutes, and there's just they just don't have enough players playing for to keep that roster spot doing nothing. And you know, he's been able to participate on the road the whole time. It's just that he wouldn't have been able to practice for most of the season, and then it's also kind of a distraction to have a player half in half out. But he will be eligible to play next Thursday uh, at Portland when the Nets play on the road there. And uh, we'll see if he does. We'll see how much he plays if he does. Uh, it'll be interesting. But, you know, that's really what's going to take Brooklyn to the next level. I mean, th- this becomes an easy, easy top contender for the chi- for the NBA Finals. If I mean, not just for the NBA Finals, but to win the Finals. If they already weren't, even without him. Now, you're really talking about a really, really good team. But uh, let's move on to the Nets talking about another team who was a preseason big contender, but hasn't really lived up to uh, all the hype so far. The Lakers finally did something. They went three and 0 they defeated their demons of choking big leads against OKC. Finally, uh, th- this time they had another big lead, but instead of blowing the 18 or 22 point lead, this time they kept it the whole game. Uh, so I guess that even deserves uh, that even that's even kind of impressive. Uh, they beat Orlando. Orlando's terrible um and by the way they were up by like 20 in the third quarter in that game and somehow let the game get all the way down to an eight-point game in the fourth quarter so the Lakers are still having a lot of issues with taking their foot off the gas in close games and speaking of that they had a lead on Dallas and even though Dallas did not have Luka Doncic they let Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway uh and I guess Chris Ebsperzengas play so well that they got forced to overtime and had to rely on Austin Reeves to make clutch shots and look now the Lakers roster is super depleted by COVID. You had Talon Horton Tucker test positive. Uh, you had Russell Westbrook test positive, who then tested out of the COVID protocols. But this team has so many players uh, on, with, with, uh, with COVID that they have uh, signed Isaiah Thomas through a hardship waiver, allowing their roster to extend to more than 15 players. Two-way player Shaundi Brown was playing in the first quarter recently. Um, I mean, Austin Reeves, I don't think, was supposed to be a big contributor, and he's been playing fourth-quarter minutes a lot. So it's just a really depleted, injured roster that the Lakers are dealing with right now. So I'll take 3-0 I'll, I'll take oh, no matter who it's against when that's your roster. And I mean, Luka Doncic is, is a very huge part of what the Mavericks do, but when you take a when you look at the overall contributions of the other guys, it's possible to say that maybe it was almost an even game. And finally... I have the Memphis Grizzlies at fourth. Uh, They beat Houston, Philly, and Portland. Not so impressive, especially when you look at Portland. We're going to talk about Portland in a second. Um, But Houston has been okay. Uh, Philadelphia has been good. But again, all of this without John Moran. And it's just crazy to me that the Grizzlies keep... I mean, I guess I shouldn't be so surprised. And that's the reason why, even though there are three undefeated teams here and the Nets and Lakers are preseason juggernauts, I put them at the bottom. Because at this point, I'm actually not surprised that the Grizzlies are playing so well. This, has been, this is now what they are. I mean, they are a very, very skilled team who can beat all of the teams in the middle of the league. That's just what they do now. So uh, good for Memphis, and I mean, they're on a good path when Jock ja comes back, too.
0: All right, what about your most disappointing teams of the week?
1: We'll start with the Washington Wizards, who went 0-4 this week. Losses to Utah, Denver, Sacramento, Phoenix. The Wizards have... Uh, They've just been in a downward spiral for a while now. Um, Come back to
0: earth, maybe?
1: Yeah, maybe a little bit. But, I mean, I actually don't think this is coming back down to earth because, you know, they were they were a decent team. And uh, at the end of last year, they started playing really, really well down the stretch when Russ started to heat up. And uh, that allowed them to get that uh, the play-in spot. And, you know, they didn't do much with it. But I think this team can be better than 15-15. and 15. I honestly think that's not ex- exactly an, uh, a great representation of who they are. But... Barring an overtime win uh, against the Pistons, they haven't won since December 1 against Minnesota. Uh, all the all the other games, lost to Cleveland, lost to the Raptors while being held under 100, lost to the Pacers, a three-point overtime win over Detroit. And then other than that, you have the four games I talked about this week against Utah, Denver, Sacramento, and Phoenix. So I, I, good teams this week, maybe except with the exception of Sacramento, who's kind of stuck in the play and range in, in the West. But... The Wizards need to figure this out. They do have too much talent to be stuck in this whole 1-8 kind of a stretch thing. They might be a 15-15 team after all, but the 1-8 stretch is just not who they need to be. I think they're just they're just massively underachieving right now. Now, moving on from the Wizards, uh, we have the Portland Trailblazers, who also went 0-4 this week. Lost to Golden State, Minnesota, Phoenix in overtime, and to Memphis. The Trailblazers have not won a game in a very long time. In fact... They are winless in the month of December. It started with the loss of the Spurs, then a loss to the Celtics, then one of the Clippers, then the one to start this week, as I said, to, to Golden State, and then you also have a loss to the Timberwolves, and then you also have a loss to the Suns, and a loss to the Grizzlies. Uh, not a good week. Let's just, I mean, there's not much more I can say about it, honestly, but Portland just has not played very well, um, and it has been a while since they've been playing well. They're 11-18. and 18. They've been rapidly slipping down the standings in the West, and really, it's just not looking very good for them. I mean, at this point, they're behind San Antonio, and they're only one and a half games ahead of New Orleans, Houston, and OKC. That is where Portland currently stands. That's not very good. I think I can leave it at that. Uh, moving on from them, let's go to the Philadelphia 76ers, who are 1-3, and three, uh, losing three in a row, though, losing to Memphis, Miami, and Brooklyn after one week after one win, against Golden State when uh, Steph Curry had made the comment that he could break the three-point record maybe with 16 threes um, in one game for the game before that. Joel Embiid said uh, after the game that he wasn't going to let that happen on his court in his city. So Joel Embiid was right. They played well in that game. But apparently when they don't have uh, other comments from the other team to motivate them, they don't play very well because Memphis, Miami, and Brooklyn just came in and pretty easily beat the 76ers. uh, And, you know, that's just it's kind of, I guess I've come to expect it from the 76ers. They really haven't played up to their potential all year yet, but I still expect more out of this team for the rest of the year. And finally, I'm just going to throw the magic in here once because they're one of those teams that I know won't ever be good. So I might as well just say they're disappointing once, just so that I don't have to say it ever again. Uh, Orlando could get the number one pick this year. They will be, or at least the number one spot in the draft lottery. Uh, I think they could easily compete with Detroit for that title, that very, very, very unprestigious title. Look, OKC's already got eight wins. Orlando only has five. Uh, Detroit has four. But Cade Cunningham has been playing well enough recently that, and, and, you know, Jalen Suggs has been injured. So I have more faith in what what Detroit has, honestly, than what Orlando has um, somehow, although I don't have much faith in either of them, obviously. (laughs) Um, But... Orlando 5-25 and on the season, pretty terrible. They lost to L.A., other L.A., uh, and Atlanta this week. And, you know, I, I just, I've just i not seen a team that really hasn't even looked that close in any of these games in a while. I mean, even the Rockets, when they had a bunch of losses in a row, didn't look as terrible, I feel like. I feel like when I was watching them, it didn't feel like a team who had lost 10, 12, 14, 15 games in a row. Felt like a team who was maybe struggling to find its way, but, you know, had squeaked out a win or two here and there, but... Orlando just does not look like that. They just do not look good whatsoever, and I don't know how they're going to fix it, and I guess it's just tanking, and I guess it's just the effects of uh, being a little bit experimental with your lineups and making sure that, you know, you can't exactly compete with the top teams even when you have better talent than them, uh, at least coming up. But obviously those guys need to get a little bit older and mature a little bit before they will be a contender, and I think uh, Orlando is many, 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 many years out by what I've seen this year.
0: Okay, well, let's move to the... uh... Mysterious Player of the Week. Yeah, so Steve, like I said... Who it be?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah, it's Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, 37.5 points, 9 rebounds, 8.5 assists, and, two and, one and, a, and 1.8 blocks per game this week. That is one of the best weeks I've seen in a while, almost averaging a 40-point triple-double. He was the first player in the NBA to reach 50 points in a game this year uh, on Saturday, and as soon as I saw that, I was like... I really gave him the player of the last two weeks just yesterday, and of course he picks today to get a 50-point game and be the first player this week, or of this year to do that. Then after the 51-point game where he also almost had a triple-double, he decided to go get a triple-double with 33 points or something like that, and then he decided to drop another 38 or 35 points, and then he did it again. Uh, he's been ridiculous. He's shooting like 60% on the year, even though he's at, even though he's the league, league's leading scorer, I think Kevin Durant is just playing out of his mind. And, uh, I think, you know, they talked about the reason that they might bring Kyrie back is just to, you know, put down the minutes of the stars. And if Kevin Durant's going to keep playing like this, he needs to, and by the way, he did in the playoffs last year. It's not like this isn't sustainable for him. He can sustain it, but he can't sustain it for a whole year playing all those minutes and then really perform in playoff time when all the other stars of the league are rested. So they're going to need to start getting him rest soon and then make sure that this 38-9-9 player shows up in the playoffs, which he will when they get him some rest.
0: All right, well, that wraps up our look at the last week of action in the NBA. Let's now turn our attention to college basketball. Let's start with the biggest upsets from last week.
1: Notre Dame beat number 10 Kentucky 66-62, uh, it was as close as the score indicated. This was not uh, some, not not point shaving, obviously, but uh, this wasn't some making the game closer right after uh, where it was already out of reach. This was a really close game throughout. Notre Dame had to make shots to win this game. I think it was tied 62 to 62 in the final minute. Uh, and once Notre Dame made the made the what would eventually be the game winning basket, the go ahead basket, at least, um, then Kentucky fouled them once, and that's when Notre Dame made two free throws and then Kentucky couldn't score after that. But uh, it was a back-and-forth game. I did not expect this upset. Maybe before the season, if you would ask me, uh, if Notre Dame could get a big upset, what would it be early in the season? I would have picked this one. But they were 3-4 and four heading into this game. Everybody thought they'd be a lot better because of the way they ended the season last year in the ACC uh, and the way they were playing towards the ACC tournament and eventually how they how they did play in that tournament. But they didn't show that for most of the year and all of a sudden after being 3 and 4 they pull out this one over Kentucky very very impressive moving on Oklahoma beat number 12 Arkansas 88 to 66 Arkansas was 9 and 0 they were going to lose at some point uh they were they're not a team that was uh caliber of going you know 30 and 0 obviously and uh i guess it maybe could have carried all the way into the SEC season before they got a loss but i think it was i think it was easy enough to figure that they might lose a game before and Oklahoma just a good enough team to beat them. Uh, they they frustrated them with their style. They played a good defense the whole game, and really from the start they had Oklahoma they had Arkansas on the ropes, and uh, Oklahoma was able to finish it off. Uh, moving on, Creighton beat number twenty four BYU eighty three to seventy one. After it looked like BYU was one of the early season mid major kind of darlings of the season, they have not played well since then. No. Um, and it, it's it's funny because it felt like Gonzaga might have had a Somewhat decent challenger at the top of their conference in BYU. Actually, there are two better challengers than BYU now in undefeated San Francisco, who is now 10 and 0, and maybe even 11 and 0 at this point. Um, and St. Mary's, who was probably should be ranked, and they are I think are 9 and 2 on the season. Uh, they're better than BYU. And look, that conference is actually a lot better than you think it is. If if they had these teams, I think in in a bigger name conference, you'd probably see all four ranked. And even after BYU's loss, they'd probably still be ranked. But moving on to teams that definitely wouldn't be ranked, uh, number 20, Florida lost to Maryland, <laughs> 70 to 68, continuing uh, their downward spiral of a season. I mean, I guess everybody was right to have them unranked to begin the season. I think that was an accurate evaluation. Um, the team that we saw beat Florida State was not what this team will continue to be, or maybe Florida State just wasn't a top 25 caliber team. Or maybe they're just a fringe team and Florida's just good enough to sneak out a win against them, but not good enough to keep up constant play against really good teams. I don't really know how Florida lost this game. I mean, especially after their loss to Texas Southern, you thought that they'd really come in with a chip on their shoulder and uh, I don't think there was anything on their shoulder at all. Um, Moving on from that, Memphis, talk about a chip on their shoulder, top 10 team as of two weeks ago, top 15 team preseason, number one and number two overall recruits, Loses four games in a row after starting off 5-0. They lost to Iowa State by 20. They lost to 2-5 Georgia. Then they lost to Ole Miss. And then they lost to Murray State at home. Uh, And finally, all of a sudden, just magically out of nowhere, Memphis beats number six, Alabama, 92-78. Why did this upset happen? Memphis decided that actually in college basketball, you do better without playing freshmen. Their lineup for the last eight minutes of this game and the lineup that played the most minutes included one freshman. Out of their number one recruiting class and their number one recruiting class from last year, one freshman, just Jalen Durant. They played Landers Nulley, a transfer. They played DeAndre Williams, who's been at Memphis since he was a freshman. And they played two other guys who have been there who were from either that sophomore recruit, the class that's now sophomores or the class that actually includes juniors. So uh, all I have to say is, Experience truly does win games. Um, You're seeing that problem with teams like Michigan, especially earlier in the year. Uh, And Memphis is just proving that by the fact that they benched Amoni Bates. I mean, they said, look, you're good enough. But I mean, and by the way, he had taken himself out of the starting lineup because he felt that something wasn't working. That didn't work because they lost the two games after that, two including the game to Murray State. So evidently that wasn't the fix they needed. But I guess the fix they needed was that in the late game scenario, when you need to close the game out... Take the players who have the game experience and take the smart, mature players. And that's what Memphis ended up doing. And wow, did it work perfectly. All of a sudden, this team looks exactly like what we thought before the season. And as I had said, it was about mixing the talent that they had gotten with the talent they already had. They already had enough talent that they didn't need to have these freshmen carrying the team, yet they asked them to do it. And it's just not a reasonable expectation for freshmen to do that. So I'm glad that they're finally relying on the veterans, and wow, look, it paid off pretty quickly.
0: All right, well, let's move from the upsets over to the close games from last week.
1: Well, then number nine, Alabama, beat number 14, Houston, 83-82, to on a very close ending. This game had a crazy ending in it. I already talked about it when I was talking about my weekend predictions. Uh, you got to watch it to see it, but it was just ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I was talking about how fast-paced Alabama was, and when they make shots, they're a really good team. Uh, they didn't make shots against Memphis later in the week, but they made enough shots against Houston to win the game. Uh, but moving on from that, another game I predicted last week, number 11 beat Arizo- uh, Arizona, sorry, beat um, beat Illinois, 83-79 to on the road. It is really hard to win on the road against Illinois. Uh, ask Big Ten teams who have been trying for 20 years, and they can tell you that even when they tried, they can't do it. Arizona, finds a way to pull it out and really cementing themselves as a real top 10 team in the country. I'm going to jump a little bit chronologically to talk about a team who shouldn't be top 10. Number 10, USC beat UC Irvine by five points, 66 to 61. USC has played zero good teams this year and is in the top 10. I can name unranked teams that I would pick to pull up to USC right now on a flight Go straight off the plane and beat USC, then get back on the plane and go back to wherever they came from. I could pick at least five teams right now. USC is nowhere near a top 10 team. They won't be in the rest of the season. Just like last year, even with Evan Mobley, they were barely a top 10 team if you only go off of tournament performance. And if you go off of the whole season, they they were not in the top 20. That was when they had a top five pick in the NBA draft. Now that they don't and did not add too much talent to replace him, they are not 15 slots better. I will leave it at that. Actually, I won't leave it at that. The teams I would be mentioning that would beat them, I still think Michigan would beat them. I still think Memphis would beat them. I think North Carolina would beat them because they're all more talented. I think Tennessee would beat them. I think pretty much every team ranked lower than them would probably beat them. Um, look, USC just isn't that good. I, I will say it right now. They so
0: not
1: Florida. Fl- Florida's not ranked anymore, so that problem got they're taken they're care they're of. Okay. Um, but look, th- I, all I have to say is that this game really just shows the level that USC is at and how overrated they are because I have never seen a team play a mid major, play a mid major at home as a top 10 team and only be favored by single digits heading into the game. That just tells you a lot about how good the team is. And frankly, how not good the team is because if you look at the lines for any other game, when there is a top 10 home team against a mid major team, it is more than 10. In fact, another game that I'm about to talk about Number one, Purdue, while well, they were number one at the time, but they had already lost earlier in the week, when they beat NC State in overtime, 82-72, to 72, that game was a 15- or 20-point line, and NC State is a, mid, is a mid-level power conference program. That's what the line is supposed to look like for a top-10 team. Not single digits over UC Irvine. Don't believe what you see in the rankings for USC. They beat Washington State by one. Washington State's very next game was a loss at home to South Dakota State. Okay? The best team they've beaten all year is an 8-3 team by one at home who lost to South Dakota State. Let that sink in and please tell me how that team is top 10 and how North Carolina, who has two quality wins and only losses are to Purdue and Tennessee, is unranked. You tell me you can't. Anyway, moving on. Number one, Purdue, at the time, beat NC State 82-72 in overtime. Really close game. Surprise, NC State got dri- surprise NC State drove Purdue to overtime, uh, but you know Purdue has just enough experience to pull it out. Just like I talked about, uh, you got to mix the freshman talent with the experience. And Travion Williams took over in overtime, and that was really the the catalyst for uh, Purdue. And also Jaden Ivy was really good too. But uh, you know it takes Williams being so great to to help Ivy get some more open lanes and really feel super super confident. I mean he's already such a talented player that he doesn't even need to be that confident to have a good to have a decently sized impact on the game but when he's really confident he makes a huge impact on games for Purdue uh moving on from that number 17 Iowa State beat Jackson State 47 to 37 obviously Deion Sanders recruiting the number two overall recruit means that uh maybe Jackson State is losing some of its basketball fans to its football program but and, and also them being in the celebration bowl and being the best HBCU team in the country, probably. And they'll probably prove that by beating South Carolina state pretty easily tomorrow morning. Um, but look, Jackson state is not very good at basketball, but putting their football program aside. So Iowa state now looking like 2020 Iowa state out of nowhere, again, only beating a pretty bad program by 10 points. And by the way, at least they beat them by more points than USC beat UC Irvine by, but, uh, Let's move on from uh, USC and from Winning those by close 10, games.
0: Scoring forty-seven, wow!
1: I mean, that's actually not that bad of a margin. That's yeah. not a terrible margin. Uh, if you're talking about a game where there's only what ninety-four combined, eighty-four, 84 combined <laughs> points, that's not ten points. Is not bad.
0: <laughs> I didn't watch that game, but I probably didn't miss the most entertaining display of basketball this year.
1: Yeah, probably not. Okay. Uh, but moving on to other important matchups, let's talk about a Pac-12 team that actually knows how to play basketball, unlike uh, unlike unlike USC. Although Arizona knows what they're doing, and by the way, Arizona definitely needs to be right out of USC. Um, number four, UCLA beat Marquette sixty-seven to fifty-six. After, by the way, speaking of playing, speaking of getting straight off a plane, uh, UCLA's plane got delayed. This game was supposed to start, I think, at eleven in the morning or ten thirty or something like that, and ended up getting played at six thirty because UCLA had flight issues. Uh, the network of it got moved and everything and they had to move all the game time and they had to change everything around because UCLA was having some issues with their plane. And then, you know, as I said, I I would pick a couple teams to beat USC and just get off, get up straight off the plane and win. Well, UCLA actually just did that against Marquette. They got off the plane as soon as it landed, uh, pretty much went straight to practice uh put their bags down beat marquette and then left the next day uh, i mean what was t- the team
0: that had to uber to the game was that arizona that was arizona,
1: arizona beating illinois yeah they had yeah. to take
0: ubers cuz uh, so yes
1: yeah, yeah. so arizona had to take ubers from three i hours. believe in- indianapolis, indianapolis to illinois because their flight got detoured um but maybe the pac
0: 12 teams going on the road in the midwest should you know have flight delays
1: I would not recommend that, uh, but and I bet there, I bet these are the last few games like that for the rest of the year probably sure. because we're about to move into conference play. Um, but then you have number fifteen UConn who beat Saint Bonaventure eighty four to seventy four. Again, these games aren't as close, but you know I think Saint Bonaventure was showing some good signs to start the year and were ranked in the top twenty five, had a good tournament run last year, not a good tournament run, but had a good run to win their conference tournament and kept all of their players, have an all-senior starting lineup, uh, which that'll always do well, no matter no matter how bad you were the year before. It'll at least be somewhat successful. Uh, but UConn able to dispose of them, and even with some players out for UConn. Uh, so UConn playing pretty well. Um, and honestly, speaking of teams who are better than USC, UConn should be in that mix too. Uh, so should Michigan State, who Michigan State was able to beat UConn earlier in the year. Now let's talk about Big Ten teams now while I'm on the subject. Number 21, Ohio State, also better than USC, beat number 22, Wisconsin, 73 to 55. That's not a close game. Uh, They beat Wisconsin by 18. USC beat UC Irvine by five. So when you're going by a a metric to judge a team, go by the USC, UC Irvine factor. If you are a top 25 team and you beat another top 25 team by a bigger margin than a top 10 team beats a mid-major program, you're probably pretty good. Uh, When you're a top 10 team and you only beat a mid-major by five points, you're probably not that good. So I will go ahead and say Ohio State is another one of those teams who I would pick to beat USC uh, straight off the plane. Maybe Uh, not Wisconsin. No, not Wisconsin. (laughs) That that might be where it stops, actually. They might be the last team in the rankings. They're not that good. Wisconsin had some early season wins that looked great and weren't actually great. I don't think the loss against Providence by Wisconsin was a fluke. Speaking of Providence, Providence is 10-1. They would also beat USC. Um, they got off the plane to beat Wisconsin on the road. And all I have to say is I thought that that was just a bad early season loss from Wisconsin. No, Providence is just actually really good. They're just actually a good team. I think there's no denying that anymore. You don't go 10-1 by chance in college basketball. I mean, Jackson State stayed close with Iowa State. Uh, UC Irvine stayed close to the USC to say it one more time just because I think it's funny. Um, Memphis just beat Alabama after losing four games in a row, including some to completely... I mean, Alabama, it might be the top team in the SEC, and Georgia might be the worst team in the SEC. And Memphis somehow lost the worst team in the SEC and beat the best team in the SEC. So that is how college basketball works. It's crazy. And by the way, Memphis gets another opportunity to play an SEC team when they play Tennessee. Let's see what happens there and then really see if it's going crazy. Um, but look... This is the nature of college basketball. It is crazy. I thought that that might have been an upset there, um, but I I really don't think it was an upset. Um, And then moving on, finally, the most boring top 10 game of all time, number two, Baylor beat number six, Villanova, 57 to 36. I talked about it on the podcast while I was talking about my predictions last week, but uh, Baylor, number one team in the country. I think it's safe to say. Although... As we've seen this year, uh, now that they're number one, it means that they're immediately going to lose their next game. So uh, I don't know who they play next week. I don't care who it is, um, but they're going to lose. I I really don't care who it is. They're just going to find a way to lose, just because that's what's been happening in college basketball. That's a trend. Uh, If you're the number one team, you try to get out of that spot immediately to make sure you don't get any more losses. So you try to lose as early as possible. Just ask Gonzaga. Well, don't ask Gonzaga, because they somehow it doesn't feel like it, but it feels like somehow... It really doesn't feel like it, but Gonzaga has actually held the number one uh, spot this year for the longest time, and it's not even close. Uh, they held it for three or four weeks, while Duke lasted one week, and then Purdue lasted one week, and now we have Baylor, and let's see if they're able to last more than a week. I think they might, um, but honestly, couldn't tell you with, with couldn't tell you with full confidence. So uh, that's. I mean, I have nothing more to say about it. Good for Baylor. Uh, Villanova, I've always said that I really don't think that they have the, uh, the correct players to play the Alabama style where you're only trying to shoot free throws, threes, and layups. They don't have the length and the size to do it. And yet they keep trying. And frankly, they're Alabama pretty much on steroids because they shoot even more threes than Alabama does. I think they took something like 63s in their game against Syracuse. And while it worked that time, they had like 20 points in the first half and were losing at at halftime. And then all of a sudden, once they shot 40 more and made like 15 of them, then they started scoring in the second half. But that's really not sustainable. And it's also how they lost in the first round of the tournament last year. That is the reason why, because early in the tournament, I don't know if they they, they might've lost in the second round, but it's just not sustainable playing like that. Um, and, And I just don't just don't try to shoot all threes. That's why Alabama's method does work because they don't only shoot threes when they can get layups. They're trying to get layups, but when they see an open three, they will take the three. When they see an open lane, they'll take the open lane. Uh, and there is no in between. They don't shoot mid range, but Villanova is stuck in the, uh, in, in the, uh, in the, don't in the, just ignore the open lane and just shoot the three anyway, kind of a mentality. And, uh, This is what happens when it doesn't work well. This is what it looks like, 36 points on the road against the number two team in the country. That's not a good sign for later in the season.
0: Nope. Well, that wraps uh, this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please join us for our next podcast, which will kick off our second year of podcasting, and that will be on Monday, December 20th, where we will see the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions and discuss this weekend's NFL action and the opening of college football bowl season. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content including his weekend predictions that were posted yesterday and an updated NCAA basketball tournament bracket on Saturday. All of that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.